It is a cold one this morning with a wind chill in central Ohio. Uh, within the metro, it's feeling like about five below. But if you go further out, it's uh, it's worse. You've got you know London, for example, at 11 below. Marion is the same way. So really layer up today. Probably the coldest day of the year. And by the way, it looks like this could be happening again overnight into uh, Saturday morning, too. It is January, after all. Matt Mayer is shaking his head this morning. That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> and you are you going to go run this morning? You know, I are, am. I just don't know if I'm going to run outside yet. You know, but look, here's dude, the deal. Last night I was having a great day, right? I, I get on Twitter. Yeah. And this guy, Brandon Boxer, puts out that we're all going to die by 2040. <laughs> and I just said, uh, well, might as well not do anything. I might as well just start eating bonbons and forget about trying to keep uh, my health uh, because we're, we're all gone by 2040, says so Brandon you're, Boxer. You're, you're talking about that study I put out. Okay, I am. yeah, another one of those studies. Well, look, it's good to have you with us this morning. The Brandon Boxer Show. Matt Mayer, of course, our political contributor and president of Opportunity Ohio. You can find him on Twitter at Ohio Matt or OpportunityOhio.org. We're going to dive right in in about 60 seconds here with, of course, Justice uh, Breyer. Of course, the big announcement with Intel and do really more of a deep dive on things we should be looking for. Of course, talk about the upcoming debate, uh, too, we're excited about hosting in uh, March. Uh, something that is maybe a sign that things are getting a little bit better. The Ohio Department of Health says schools can discontinue universal contact tracing. Uh, that was according to Vanderhoff yesterday. Dr. Vanderhoff says that schools also don't have to report new cases as often as they did before. Uh, and the other big story, obviously national, is Justice Breyer. Why don't we start there real quick, Matt? Um, obviously, we knew sooner, we knew there was pressure from the left for him to retire. Matter of fact, I think it was 60 Minutes that did Enormous pressure. Uh, yeah, enormous pressure. Yeah. 60 Minutes did an interview, I think, with him not too long ago and brought that up. And he's like, you know, look, I'll, I'll retire when I want to retire. Well, here we are. And I think it shocked a lot of people. Well, I guess apparently the White House threw it out there before he was ready to say it. Right. So, like, I mean, it, this is just like, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing. And for a guy that spent, oh, I think, what, 27 years and from exactly. a left progressive standpoint, was an amazingly good justice, right? Yeah. Sure, sure, no way to treat a guy who who did a lot for the for their cause. Was nominated by President Clinton back yeah. in the uh, early 90s. Uh, spent almost 30 years. The story I've read, Matt, is that he formally took his letter to the White House last week, I guess. And, um, you know, as we've seen how it's supposed to work is it's the justice, and rightfully so. They're a patriot. They have served our country. They deserve to get that out themselves. They they deserve to have that moment. Right. And he's not getting that moment. He'll probably get it today with the president, but it's a little too late. Yeah, and then, you know, it's, it's just, and, and there's so much more, more bid mindset about this. I mean, you're seeing now Democrats in the Senate say, well, we got to ram this through quickly because we've got a lot of old members and, you know, like as if somebody dies, they mean? lose their what? majority or they can't vote because right. they're right incapacitated. And then, you know, the Republicans could stop them. But look, let's here's reality, Brandon. In the last since what Nixon, I think, or even could be, could be before Nixon, there has not been a nominee from a Democrat president that has gotten less than 60 votes ever, ever. Now, Republican nominees, six of the last nine five of the last six have been below 60 because mm -hmm. that shows how partisan the Democrats are when it comes to this, right? But often case, uh, you have many Republican senators that rise above and say, look, a president has a right to nominate their person. And if unless there's something truly disqualifying about them, 
we should support their nominee. So they're, the, they're always up north of 60. So, I, th- you know, it, it doesn't matter who they nominate other than Kamala Harris. They're, they're not going to have a problem getting somebody through. Matt Mayer is the president of Opportunity Ohio, opportunityohio.org. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Ohio Matt. Matt, I want to play you a clip uh, yesterday. Brian Fallon, does that name sound familiar? Was in the Clinton administration, uh, was a, uh, did some legal work there, uh, part of the U.S. Senate. He had this to say on MSNBC yesterday about Breyer. But I think we have to keep perspective, uh, and that is to say that it's not going to shift the balance of the court. What I hope happens is that this opens people's minds, this historic first that's going to occur, the first uh, black woman on the court, opens people's minds to what's possible in terms of what the Supreme Court could be, what it could look like. And, and we start to be a little bit bolder and more imaginative in reaction to rulings that are going to come down in June on issues from abortion to gun safety to the ability to regulate greenhouse gases uh, and do anything major on climate change. Now, why the identity politics here again? Now, I will say back in the, the Reagan days, he he vowed to uh, nominate and make sure there was a female justice, Sandra Day O'Connor. At the time, there were none. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. So at half the country are women and there are none so, on the court. So my, right. And so my whole point is, look how far we've come since then. Clarence Thomas, for example, Sotomayor, right. you know, just to name a few. Why continue to play identity politics and act like, Oh, it's, you know, the Supreme Court justices, they're all white. Because the Democrats have little to offer from a Main Street America perspective. So they have got to do identity politics to try to ensure that they keep the black vote, the black female vote is their strongest voting contingent. Mm-hmm. So that's where Biden promised uh, as as a candidate that he would put up a black female. Yeah. Um, and, and again, what's so ironic about this is at the same time, we're going to have essentially, uh, you know, Identity politics drive the Supreme Court nominee. The Supreme Court's going to be looking over the Harvard and University of North Carolina affirmative action cases. And I'm pretty confident they're going to say either 6-3 or 5-4 that you cannot use race in higher education. So it's Which is funny because here we ironic are. That we're using we're- it to drive <laughs> drive who gets on the court, but, we're, but we can't do it in any other walk of life, right? Well, speaking of uh, identity politics and color, you know whose name has been brought up, thrown out right away yesterday, is Vice President Harris. Yeah, that's, that's not serious. I, I, I don't see that. And, and look, right. let, me, let me be clear, Brad. I tweeted about this yesterday because you know, I wrote a piece a few years ago saying our government's too smart. And what I meant was we have, we have a federal government now that is populated by elite institution graduates who from the age of 18, when they go to that elite institution, then go to elite D.C., New York, right, law firms, accounting firms, you name it. Then they spend their time in Washington among the elite circles. So these are folks that from the age of 18 have been totally disconnected from Main Street America. There's like the common sense has gone away because they're so smart. They just think through things that you and I just can't possibly get, right? Right. And right. so uh, – so, so I'm, I'm an advocate of let, let's get more Main Street folks in, in our government, right? But Kamala Harris is kind of the other way. I mean, you know, despite having uh, two parents at Berkeley, she didn't get into Berkeley. She went to Howard University uh, undergrad. Despite being an African-American woman, she didn't get into the, the best law, sh- law school she got into was University of California Hastings which is a f- okay law school, but she got in on a program that helps remediation for, uh, for minorities. She failed the California bar. I mean, th- there's nothing, she is right. about the least qualified person you can imagine, <laughs> uh, other than her, right. her gender and her, her, her skin color, which is just not a reason to put her on. Well, and look, I know polls are polls sometimes, but her poll numbers are just- Which is why they in- want to try to get her 
out of the vice presidency and somewhere else. But that's not going to happen. I, that's, I just don't that's see that. Serious. And she's such a she is such a hyper partisan hack from her time in the Senate uh, as vice president that she may be somebody that will not get 50 votes because there may be Republicans and a couple Democrats that say, yeah, that's not the kind of person with that temperament we want on the court. Matt Mayer is president of Opportunity Ohio in studio with us this morning and every Thursday. Uh, we're just laying out the groundwork of some of the things that are, of course, trending in the news. Uh, another one is Intel. We saw the yeah. big announcement. We had been hearing about it for a while, but it finally took a splash last Friday. They plan on spending $20 billion uh, to build a massive semiconductor chip manufacturing campus in Licking County, uh, western Licking County, New Albany area. Yet we had even the lieutenant governor on Monday and we don't seem to know too much about the incentives. What did we have to give them for them to come here, Intel? No, well, nobody knows. Uh, there are rumors out there, but it's looking to be like $1 to $1.2 billion, uh, which comes out to be about $400,000 per 3,000 jobs they promised uh, for this deal. And let me be clear. This is good news for this Ohio. Is good news, yeah. this, is, this is positive. It's about time kind of thing. Um, but there are some there are some worries that people like me that that are, can be clear eyed and even tempered and don't get caught up in the spin think about, which is, you know, we're going to have more interstate migration from the rest of Ohio to central Ohio for this 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 plant and these jobs that's going to hollow out more of Ohio that's already been hollowing out. So this doesn't benefit the rest of Ohio uh, to the degree we need that help you know, happening in other counties that just aren't getting jobs like this. Um, Wall Street's very skeptical of, of Intel right now. Intel is, you know, late to the game. Uh, you know, other chip manufacturers are ahead of the curve on them. They've lost major clients like Apple uh, who've taken it in-house. So there's skepticism on on Intel's ability to kind of really push forward in a very competitive environment now. So we'll see if this kind of comes to the full bearing that it is. And And at the end of the day, you know, you've got to step back and think, you know, one of the reasons Ohio got this in Ohio and in Buffalo, New York, were the two finalists, as I understand right, it, right. is because those are two states that don't get any deals ever. It's been, you know, a decade. Over the last decade, you've seen all these car plants, all these other things happening in South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, Texas, right, Tennessee. So if you're going to do a, a project this big, you can't go there because there's already such fierce competition for workers. So you've got to go somewhere like Ohio, New York, where they don't get these big plants. So the competition for workers is really low. And and so that's a smart move on their part. But but we only got it because of so much of what we didn't get over the last decade. And when you do a 10-year view, to put this in perspective, in the last 10 years, Florida has added 1.8 million private sector jobs. At the same time, Ohio has added about 360,000. Wow. So Florida has added wow. five times more private sector jobs in the last 10 years compared to Ohio. And, and what's crazy is Florida tends to be more of a, a looked at as a hospitality type of state, industry, tourism. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, they've had good governors that are really changing that state. And yeah. so and yeah. that's where people are moving and it's it's growing. And so, so you know, the, 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 the fact is it would be far better if Ohio had better job growth consistently over the last decade and going into the next decade than a flash in the pan, hey, we get these 20,000 jobs out of Intel between the 3,000 they promised plus the secondary and tertiary jobs that will come with it. Those are all great. But, but again, the rest of Ohio needs some help too, and that's, that's what still remains kind of empty, empty, you know, holding sure. an empty bag. Well, when do you think we'll find out about these incentives? Like, you know, I, I'm praying that we did not, you know, give away the entire cow here. Well, you have to be concerned that they're just not telling us, right? I mean, this is always, you know, sunshine is a great disinfectant, right? And, and there, there, is, there is always troubling 
undercurrents when public officials don't open up the kimono and say, hey, here's what here's what we're doing because the deal's done. So it's not like this is still, oh, we can't say because, you know, we, you know, we might be outbid by somebody else. The deal's over. So the incentives are, are everything's done. Everything's Everything, been yeah. signed. I mean, otherwise, yeah, you wouldn't have announced the deal, right? And so to, to me, why we're not getting those numbers is kind of troubling because you worry, oh, my God, is that number really going to be a billion? Are we going to spend? I mean, we spent $70 million to try to get a cracker plant in in eastern ohio that never came right so is, is i mean how much has been spent now you know you've got the peloton oh, plan out yeah. in troy they, they've stopped production they've stopped they? production yeah. so i don't know i've not seen i keep looking to see is that plan Same. now kind of been mothballed and frozen so like this stuff we, we've got a, you know the stock market has been the only bright spot over the last year under the biden administration even in the last two weeks that thing is just coming down people are losing 401k now you know, market share. I, I didn't see Intel did their earnings release yesterday. So if it wasn't good, I mean, this is the kind of stuff where there's so much volatility and so much uncertainty in the in domestically as well as globally that things could happen. And so you just worry that they, we were putting so much money and time into this one deal. What about the other 87 counties? Or if, okay, we'll have six collar counties. What about the other 82 counties in in Ohio that aren't getting any deals, aren't getting any new jobs? Those the, those folks need help too. Something you've hit on a lot, and I don't have a lot of time, Matt, is the right to work. You've hit on this a lot. So we had Ray Hederman on from the Buckeye Institute uh, earlier yeah, this guy. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good guy. We asked him, would things be better? Would things be a game changer if this state became a right to work state? Yeah, that's absolutely something that is a disadvantage for us compared to some of our neighboring states. Uh, you know, a state like Indiana that has gone right to work in the last 20 years gives them the flexibility, some tools that we don't yet have in Ohio. Companies are looking, you know, for states where they can make a decision on how they want to invest in people and in capital. That's one of the stories of why it's so successful to be a company down south, uh, Texas, Florida. These are the fastest-growing companies, uh, uh, fastest-growing states in the nation. How can we emulate them? And looking at some of our labor laws is definitely a step in that direction. It's Ray Hederman of the Buckeye Institute, echoing words that you, Matt Mayer, have been saying since you first came on this uh, show a year ago. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I said it when I ran Buckeye, and we pushed that aggressively on Right to Work. I've been saying it, you know, for up to Ohio now for a decade. Um, Ray's right. I mean, look, Indiana's Right to Work, Michigan's Right to Work, both of those in the last 10 years. West Virginia's Right to Work in the last 10 years. Kentucky's Right to Work in the last 10 years. So we, other than Pennsylvania and going up into the blue, blue, blue states, yeah, we, we sit here, and, and the problem, everybody, you know, the, the, the union guys or their their bosses love to focus on, oh, it's the right to work for less. And the fact of the matter is it's not as much about the wages. It's about the flexibility of, of governing your workspace so that way you can kind of bob and weave in a very kind of competitive global environment. And yeah. that's why so many of these big plants and things go south and west where they're to, to right to work states. And, you know, but there's political cowardice in Ohio by Mike DeWine, John Husted. These guys are afraid to take on big labor. Uh, I've laid out very detailed way. There's multiple ways to do right to work in Ohio, but they don't have the political backbone to do it. And then, by the way, there's nobody I see, Frank LaRose, um, uh, the AG, uh, you name it, that's on the horizon that are that that have the guts to take on right to work either. So this is not something that that unless we get some new leadership uh, at the state level, we're not going to see right to work in Ohio because they will not take on that fight. They just don't have the political backbone to do it. You know what? But Frank LaRose is a Green Beret. So I think if anyone could. Yeah, but he, I'm telling you, he that he won't spend the political capital to do it. I like Frank. He's a good guy. <laughs> Thank him for his service. But but the fact of the matter there is these folks get into Columbus 
and then they get you know spun by all the various folks. The unions yeah. are their biggest donors. They, if you look at their the FEC reports, they tend to get tons of money from the public sector unions, especially, and they, they just won't do it. Uh, and I'm telling you, Ohio will never be fully competitive. And remember, if we pass right to work, that just brings us up to speed right. with 27 other states. So it's yeah. not like it makes us, I mean, we, we're, we're always playing catch up in Ohio. And I, boy, I tell you what, I'm, I get, I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. I, I'm, I, I think we've got to get some, some forward-looking folks in, in there that are going to push aggressively and really reform Ohio for the 21st century because we're still back in the 1960s. Yeah.